Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. And I'm Jenna Million. And this is a podcast where we challenge sexism in the music industry and empower fangirls. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did. And if you stick around long enough, we'll also let you in on some new music the girls are already crazy about. So as of late, we've had a lot of really fun collaborations. Last week, we talked to Marianne Sherman, who is the boy band expert. And then we also talked to Leslie Chow, who is an author and music writer and dived into strange women in pop music who are a lot smarter than the critics make them out to be. Yeah, and we've really enjoyed sort of deep diving more into pop music because I feel like over the past couple of years, Jenna and I have fully gone into admitting how much we truly love and appreciate pop, which yep. I feel like is a big growth for most women. <laughs> yep. Just being able to out and proud yell about pop music, which is quite exciting. So we hope that you've been enjoying what we've been putting out. If you want to help support the podcast, you can do so by joining us at patreon.com slash name three songs, where we do an extra episode once a month. We have a discord community you get bloopers you get all fun things where you sort of get to be in the know about what's happening on the podcast before everybody else does and if you don't want to commit to like a monthly payment we also now have a paypal so if you really enjoy the episode you can give us a little tip over on paypal which is paypal.me slash name three songs and last but not least, giving us a review on Apple Podcasts is always a big help. Whether or not you listen on Apple, it's really easy. If you have an iPhone, if you have a Mac, you have an Apple account, you can go leave us a little review. We really appreciate it. So Sarah, what are we talking about today? We are talking about garbage men in the world of music. So basically what we are doing today is we are joined by Troy McGeady of Dunzo Podcast, who Jenna will tell us a bit more about in a second, but he is just a pop culture expert and he joins us to talk about these incredibly talented women in pop music who have unfortunately gotten themselves into very abusive, manipulative relationships, whether that be becoming intimate with the people that they work with or just being in a relationship with somebody that they sort of view as more powerful than them in music and that man sort of taking advantage of their trust in them. We visit the past, we visit the present, we talk about I think some very iconic relationships throughout pop music but I don't want to give too much away because I want you guys to listen to what we talk about today. So Jenna would you want to tell everybody a bit about Troy? Troy is a host of the Dunzo podcast all around pop culture extraordinaire expert. I really don't know how he hasn't written a book at this point because he has so much knowledge locked away in his brain. His podcast is incredible. He does a lot of deep dives on celebrities, celebrity relationships, Britney, Christina, like literally anyone, you name it, he's done something about. So we're so excited to have him come talk on our podcast and talk about these relationships. Super excited to welcome Troy of Dunzo to our podcast. Thank you, Troy, for being with us. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. And also, we're so ecstatic that you could come on for this topic because you are pretty much the expert when it comes to celebrity relationships and pop culture in general. So we're excited to get into this topic with you. And today we are focusing on the men who have exploited pop stars throughout their careers. And this goes all the way back to the 50s and 60s. We're going to touch on some historical examples and, you know, look at the ways in which these men have controlled the relationships. So kicking it off, we're going to take a look at Phil Spector and Ronnie Spector. 
So for those of you who are not familiar, Ronnie and Phil Spector were married from 1968 to 1974. Phil Spector is known for creating the wall of sound, which influenced a lot of artists. You know, it started with the girl groups and boy groups of Motown into inspiring the sound of the Beach Boys. He worked with the Ramones. He worked with the Beatles. He has a huge impact on rock history, music in general. And Ronnie Spector was from the Ronettes, which is one of those girl groups that he started working with really early on. They kind of fell in love through the music. And she said that he was amazing to work with in the studio, but a lousy husband. And essentially, once they got married, he kind of locked her up in his mansion and she was not allowed to leave. He controlled everything. Like she had to escape barefoot from the mansion in 1972, which was like four years into their relationship. And they didn't even get divorced until two years after that. So there's honestly like a lot of horrific details surrounding her being a captive part of Phil Spector's life. And then I think it's interesting that she also still kept the name, which she said was because like, otherwise her career would have been ruined. Like she had to have the name for that credibility. There's so much wrong with this relationship. But the things that always sort of stick out to me is like, number one, she she is like this incredibly talented woman, has a beautiful voice. And she was so young when they met and they would write songs together. And once they like got into a relationship, when they would go and write songs together, he'd be like, we're going to release this. This is going to be the next big thing. And next thing she would know, she'd hear her song that she created with her husband as like a love letter to each other being sung by somebody else on the radio. And all this time, as Jenna said like she was kept captive in like this mansion where there was guard dogs around there was barbed wire he wouldn't let her wear shoes in the house because he was afraid that if she was wearing shoes she would run away and he also kept like this glass coffin which is like this is the most fucked up thing that this is a Marilyn Manson shit like he literally yeah honestly He had a glass coffin that he kept like on display in the house and anytime she would do anything or he'd like think she was going to run off or whatever, he'd be like, if I catch you, like you're going on display in this coffin. Like he would just threaten her all the time. And I was like, I just think like the parallels between these relationships, like between all relationships that start like this, like behind every talented female artist is some psychotic guy. You know what I mean? Like either one or like a bunch. But it's true. And the parallels are so similar. And it's so weird how this kind of like completely unnormal amount of power that these people have, the result is so similar. You know what I mean? There's such a pattern, even that long ago. Like that sounds like it could happen today, honestly. And like it does happen today. Yeah, it was it was essentially the blueprint, which is crazy. Yeah. And also, I mean, it sounds like this is like a gaslighting 101 scenario. But on top of that, Phil Spector was known to like carry a gun in the studio and had shots at John Lennon and threatened the Ramones, allegedly. So dude is like known to be like kind of crazy. And here's the icing on the cake. In 2009, he was convicted of murdering actress Lana Clarkson in his California mansion in 2003. So also dude passed away early January 2021. He was still in prison when he passed and there was a lot of like mixed feelings coming out of people saying well well he was a genius but like also he killed someone and i think that's one of those lines that we haven't figured out how to yeah because you know it's different with like you know the me too movement we're seeing a lot of like alleged abusers and people going to court and all this stuff and it's like do you still support that person whereas like phil specter was convicted of murder but also one of the influential people in music so like where do we fall in there i don't know it's a confusing time 
The Rolling Stone article that I read about him said that he is the perfect example of the art always being better than the artist, like no matter what the circumstance. And honestly, after recording the podcast that I record for so long and having to like constantly come to terms with people being terrible, I'm just like, okay. So pretty much everybody in Hollywood, because of the narcissism, the addiction issues, you know, this like completely abnormal world that they create around themselves, like this like weird bubble. It's like, in a sense, they're all sort of terrible in different ways and it's like I think that at the end of this is just like my opinion and I think that everybody should be entitled to like handle it however they feel but I do think that we should allow ourselves a certain level of grace when it comes to separating it because it's like what are you supposed to fucking do on Halloween when you hear Thriller at Walgreens what are you, are you gonna leave you know what I mean like <laughs> but like also you're allowed to know that Michael Jackson could possibly be a completely fully deranged person mm-hmm. who has really fucked up thoughts but also you like man in the mirror yeah I just think it's like it's torturous to be like I have to you know what I mean because you just you can't everybody yeah. is terrible and it's only a matter of time before you find out that your faves are problematic. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, I think it's, it's such uh, the truth. Wild. And I think that this was proven so much in like that even the people who know these people and know firsthand how deranged they are that like you don't really know how to handle it because so like in 2018 Ronnie Spector talked to people and in this people interview Ronnie Spector shares like a never before heard story about her relationship with Phil Spector which is that one day he gets her in a car and is like I have a surprise for you and he had adopted twins without telling her and she and now these kids are like 52 it wasn't very clear in the story if they like kept the kids or like what was happening there but so it was just wild but also in this interview she said that it was so dark back in those days now I feel free to be able to tell other women maybe not every woman will listen to me but some will and I hope I can get one or two to save their own lives or save them from getting abused and so that was in 2018 and then in 2021 when Phil Spector dies she posts this like kind of unhinged like I mean personally I feel like it's a bit unhinged of an Instagram post basically being like meeting him and falling in love was like a fairy tale the magical music we were able to make together was inspired by our love I loved him madly and gave my heart and soul to him and then she goes he was a lousy husband unfortunately Phil was not able to live and function outside of the recording studio darkness set in many lives were damaged but then she's like I still smile whenever I hear the music we made together and always will the music will be forever and so it's like it's so crazy that he's been in jail since 2009 like clearly she hasn't seen him for like over a decade and yet she still has like because I don't know what happened like if they had seen each other or were involved in each other's lives at all post her escaping the mansion prison that he put her in but it's just insane that she still has trouble sort of separating like that love and like the fact that he was literally insane and was abusing her in such a way it's hard to fathom but I guess like I've never been in that situation so I don't know what it's like but I feel like that just happens so often where a lot of times these men sort of Stockholm syndrome these women so much that they just like don't really know how to cope with it after the fact yeah I mean I have friends that have been in situations similar that Stockholm syndrome you know just like mundane dumb bullshit so I can't even imagine if you create if you were like in the studio watching this man create the most iconic Christmas song of all time and you're like young you know like you must have some weird sort of fully romanticized version of like that part of your 
relationship because I would imagine it was like the only positive thing they had together was like music Mm -hmm. but it's still so weird and also like the fact that they were musicians it's and we see this with Mandy Moore and Ryan Adams of it's that thing of like the promise of like well this person is going to help me like they're a genius like they can get me with the right people they have connections or Mm -hmm. not even that I mean it seems like with Ronnie Spector like they were she says like they were in love like through the music and everything and like that's like the controlling factor of always like thinking like oh it'll get better like this will Mm -hmm. this is gonna happen you know those promises that are like you know we'll release your record or whatever it is and those never are followed through on Mm -hmm. i think that's why those relationships are really hard to get out of and like this is the real him like the him that's like psychotic isn't really him like when we get into the studio it's like he's finally back you know (laughs) being held captive in a mansion is the perfect segue into a Mariah Carey and Tommy Mottola. <laughs> Troy, do you want to give a bit of background about Mariah and Tommy for our listeners who might not know that much about how they came to be? Yes. So they they started dating in May of 1991. They were engaged in December of 92. And then they were married in June of the following year. And they ended up separating in 97. So that's like a really sh- kind of short period of just like craziness. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. met, immediately got engaged, had the craziest wedding at that point ever in pop culture just so much pomp and circumstance you know what I mean like full beauty and the beast and Mariah was like 18 when they met yeah and she was basically forced into being the princess of his label like he was like I will sign you but you have to like be with me pretty much and she was just I mean held captive is like it's like the understatement of the year you know what I mean like it's hard to even describe it's like Tommy Mottola had so much power that he was able to take it a step further Mm -hmm. and have men with snipers surrounding their house and she knew when she would go places she had an armed guard with a gun that was like not really meant for other people like she was held basically at gunpoint in their house and she used to say like I would carry my purse with me on my arm in her home because she never knew when she like some shit was gonna pop off and she would like need her purse to like escape or climb a fence or dodge a bullet or something like really oh my god it sounds like like a (laughs) it sounds like a movie I literally put in my notes when I recorded that episode that she is fully Uma Thurman and Kill Bill. Like, he's Bill. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. sick. Like, I have, like, chills just, like, talking about this. The other things that also were, like, insane was, like, they got married, and, like, she was not from, like, a very wealthy background or anything, and she had been, like, living in, like, a one-bedroom apartment with, like, a bunch of friends, like, in the city Mm -hmm. to try and get her career off the ground and everything, and then once they get married, he's like, I'm gonna build you a mansion in, like, the countryside, like, a bit outside of the city, and so she essentially was, like, building her own prison and, like doing this whole thing and then they move in and he like puts in all those like motion sensor cameras and like he's just always like aware whenever she's doing anything and it's like what were you doing why were you awake why were you doing this why were you doing that and it's like this man is like one of the most important men at sony music Mm -hmm. and yet he's still like i'm just trying to imagine like in like 1995 what sort of technology he had that he's essentially carrying around a baby monitor of like mariah carey in their house so because like that's basically what he was doing is it's like this like mariah has said that she like wasn't even aware of how famous she was because he wasn't allowing her to be aware of it where it just was like okay go in the studio go to do this performance go do this go do that Mm -hmm. and then go back to the house because if you do anything without my permission boom 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 (laughs) 
<laughs> no, literally. And you know what's so it, the weird the weirdest thing about that is like he was so obsessive about crafting like her image, you know, like the Mariah image, the songbird. She wears the gowns and she's got an updo and she sings ballads and like she's always very sort of conservative and very pretty and docile. Like he really had a strong idea of like what he wanted her to be. And she had to fully live his image of her even at home so when she finally was able to like be free and dress sexy and like the honey video came out and it was like mariah you know like a manolo blonic stiletto a slit up to her vagina a tube top a crazy side bang people were like shaming her for it not understanding that she had just been literally held at gunpoint for years in her marriage and wasn't allowed to wear shorts that were too short or whatever you know yeah yeah one of the crazy things about relationships like these and i think even just pop stars or artists who get into the industry really young is like the older people recognize talent in them and then they want to like control the whole image because it's like Mm -hmm. they are young they they haven't really discovered themselves they don't know what their brand is and like these record execs are like we're gonna make you like we're gonna mold you into this perfect thing it's honestly the perfect like controlling position of like these older men have so much control not just over like how they're marketed but like literally shaping these people and controlling who they are as people which is so unhealthy in any just like normal relationship and then you throw in being the biggest pop star in the world it like takes it to another level completely and like the marriage thing on top of all that the other thing is is that like mariah basically sort of changed music forever from just like her skill set as a singer and like this is the thing is it's like she's like one of the first artists who was like i want to sing pop music i'm gonna make my own music i'm gonna do all this thing and she sort of created her own version of pop because so many pop stars are sort of even if they are like britney who like wanted to be a singer it's like at the start of their career like other people are writing their music other people have a lot of hands in the pot and mariah's like i want the least amount of hands in the pot And because Tommy is so controlling, he's like, no, you can't only work with one producer. You need to work with multiple producers. Like you can't get close to any other man except for me. And so there's this like extremely talented woman who's been singing since she could talk essentially. And she's... (laughs) like I like just thinking about Mariah's career like she was at like the height of her career and is like I'm gonna make an album of only Christmas songs and it's still like one of her most popular albums like essentially dubbing her the queen of Christmas you know and yet this man is still like I need to control you and clearly she knows what she's doing and like has known what she's doing this whole time and it's just like wild to me that she also would like hint at things when she would like accept awards and all the stuff and she was trying so hard looking back like in hindsight it's so clear that this woman was struggling that like mariah was like help i'm trapped i'm like being held captive please save me and nobody was acknowledging it and if they were acknowledging it they were kind of just like well like he's tommy matola like what the fuck are we supposed to do about this yeah but like to the point that like her friends in the industry were calling her rapunzel because they knew that she was literally trapped in a house but i do think that you touch on a really interesting point though that like I think that when it comes to Mariah and Tommy, it was almost worse for her because she's so talented. Like, she's not talented in a way of, like, I can sing, but I need your help with, like, the other stuff. Like, Mariah actually has the ability to write an entire album, produce it herself, which is crazy, mix it, and then release it. Like, she can do that. 
Mm-hmm. She really literally can do that with no problem at all. And she's been able to do it since before she even knew what she was doing. You know, like even when she wrote her first album, she was like, I could produce this. Like when she was in the studio the first time, she was like, oh, I, I could literally do this. So I feel like her being so talented made him more hovery, if that makes sense. Like it made his abuse even worse because it was like, I think he was threatened by how independent she could be if she had realized her power as a young person. A hundred percent. I mean, in a lot of these articles that we were looking at for this episode, like they all sort of quote back to Tommy's memoir that he wrote in 2013 called Hitmaker, where he like admitted that, and I quote, the relationship was absolutely wrong and inappropriate. And yet he like still credits himself for her success being like, if it seemed like I was controlling... I apologize. Was I obsessive? Yes. But that was also part of the reason for her success. And it's like, (laughs) I just don't understand. In the memoir, he also said that his therapist actively told him not to pursue Carrie, but he persisted. So I really want to know why this therapist was like, maybe don't do that. Because (laughs) I mean, like, I understand why, because like, she was so much younger, but like, also at the same time, it's like, what, like, what does this therapist know about Tommy? Yeah. What were your conversations like? (laughs) Let's have a therapist memoir over here. <laughs> right. <laughs> so therapist legal. tell all. Yeah. <laughs> the live audience. Finally. I mean, we we mentioned like he is older. I just want to point out he was like 21 years older than her when they got married. She was 23. He was 44. She said that you might want to picture a child bride of like literally her coming onto the scene and him just being like, you're mine now. Yeah. Here's your big, giant, still Magnolia's wedding dress. This is the one. Get out there and like show them that you're my girl. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she was like a, a show pony. But I was gonna say too, it's like when it comes to the Tommy and Mariah of it all, it's like the most interesting thing about it is that it became so much worse after they were divorced. You know, because mm-hmm. he was still the fucking owner of her record label. She was divorced and contractually obligated to the man who she was married to that abused her. So like all of her music and all of the singles that she put out and all of her, you know, album imagery and anything that she released had to go through him. And I mean, he strategically over, I mean, it honestly just shows his therapist honestly must have been like, you're literally fucking obsessed with her in a way that's (laughs) sick. Like you obviously view her as like a doll or something Mm -hmm. because the way that he just like meticulously over time drove her to insanity up to the point that when glitter came out it was like she'd hit a wall Mm -hmm. and you know he was and then he had discovered jennifer lopez and was like you know this girl would make a really good like chew toy for mariah so i'm gonna just dangle her in front of mariah for years and drive her fucking crazy and not even make jennifer sing her own songs (laughs) like you know what i mean like i'm literally just going to use this girl as a toy and it worked and that's the fucked up thing is that it worked. And the, the other fucked up thing with that is, is that Jennifer Lopez was like a Mariah Carey fan and like looked up to her, probably was like, oh, it'll be so cool. We're both signed to Sony. She could be my mentor. Like how awesome this is going to be. Right. Like I'll get, I'll get to work with Mariah. Yeah. And meanwhile, Tommy's like, no, the whole reason why I've signed you is because you guys have similar skin tone. Nobody knows what ethnicity yeah. either of you are. And so it's going to piss her off <laughs> that you're getting famous. And also because I work with her and because like, I know people that work with her, I like know what she's sampling. I know who she's working with. So like, I'm going to try and get us those features before she gets those features out and like I'm gonna try and get those samples and like see if I can like push out our singles with those samples out before hers come I like 
it's just like so deranged what he was doing and it's like i'm not saying that glitter was like a work of art that like should (laughs) that like like amazing We're not not saying that. We're not not saying it because everything Mariah does is a work of art. But I mean, like that should have been respected more than it was. But because of all the drama that was going on, it made it even more like, what the fuck is Mariah doing making a movie and a soundtrack basically about herself but not about herself because everybody just turned it into this thing of like, instead of just her being Mariah, it was like, oh, Mariah's trying to stick it to the man and like shove it in J-Lo's face. And it's like, who is J-Lo? Like at that point in time, like, who right. was she like no one she was like tommy Mottola's like pawn in a scheme to like ruin mariah's whole life basically which is fucked up yeah and like i mean i agree with you like when we look back on glitter it's like lol you know what i mean but like she also it's like what she had her finger on the pulse of was like ended up i mean she predicted the 80s comeback mm-hmm. like mariah predicted that in the early 2000s like the 80s would eventually come back and People thought she was fucking crazy that she released an 80s inspired album. They were like, she's literally losing her mind. And then everybody started making music like that, including Jennifer Lopez. It's so crazy. Well, I think also people just gave her a hard time because along with the album, like a movie came out that people were like, what? Right. (laughs) But I think after having like five years of no freedom, like I would go make a wild movie too. (laughs) Like, why not? Like, finally you're in in control of like the way you dress, the way you look. And you're like, you know what? Let's also make a blockbuster film because why the hell not? (laughs) Yeah. Like, I don't think people take into account, like even when she was going through all of that weird, that weird time publicly where she was exhausted and not, you know, being allowed to sleep and working all the time and stuff she also was going through a weird delayed adolescence like she was basically like a 17 year old in an adult woman's body like she'd not been allowed to make her own decisions for so long so that was like her weird bangers era you know what I mean like honestly (laughs) it was like her weird like I'm coming out phase like I'm an adult now but like it's so true though I feel like every pop star who like winds up coming back out on top in the grand scheme of things has that sort of I'm just gonna like go balls to the wall crazy for like this time period but then when you look back you're like oh a year or two later everybody's sort of doing that exact same thing like you were just ahead of the curve so totally and it's always like a bit cringe to look back on right like yeah like dirty is a bit cringe for christina it's a bit cringe you know but it's like the nostalgia of it's fun too you have to go yeah. through it to get through today so exactly <laughs> also when you look back on it it's never as bad as like the world tried to make it seem like it was when it was happening. oh my god it's so true like when you look back on miley at the vmas the outrage that people had is so like it's compared to like what we deal with now it's like girl really the 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 foam hand really sent you into a complete spiral (laughs) you know what i mean like was it that big of a deal i guess like the one thing that does still to this day upset me about the whole mariah carey thing is that she's still to some people like a butt of a joke and i'm like why is her talent put to the side so much because of this persona that essentially like she created to deal with trauma that everybody is aware of it's like i know mariah's book only came out recently but i mean it was in the media it was like public knowledge what she went through and yet people are still like why is she still trying like why is she still doing this and it's like because the first like six years of her fame she wasn't allowed to 
enjoy it. And now she's celebrated as like the icon that she so truly is. And she's older and she's been through a lot. So of course, like maybe her voice can't go as high or do whatever, but she's still gonna try because she's like, I'm finally allowed to enjoy this. Like, yeah. let me have my fucking moment. And nobody lets her have it. And it just makes me so mad. Yeah, she's like a walking meme. It's so disrespectful, but it also is just, it's just how our society treats women that are like, at that level in yep. media, you know? Yep. Like we literally cannot fully view them as human beings. Like we can't get there. So basically because of Mariah Carey going through this in like the 90s and sort of at the end of the 90s when tabloids start happening and like there's more intrigue into like celebrity stuff, I feel like she wasn't allowed the quick redemption that other people have been so mm. nicely allowed now because in the case of like Mandy Moore and Ryan Adams, like Mandy Moore started her career when she was like 14 years old. Candy came out in 1999, so she was like 15. She was touring with like NSYNC, Backstreet Boys. She was having success as a pop star at such a young age and then she started doing acting and she was in The Princess Diaries and A Walk to Remember and basically doing everything because she's a triple threat an icon if I dare say so myself her career was going in the trajectory of being successful in every aspect everything she did was celebrated to some extent she could play like the mean girl she could play the good girl she could literally do anything and also sing and then she meets Ryan Adams who is like a sad boy indie icon what have you whatever you want to call him and it's kind of like infatuation love at first sight from what it sounds like listening to Mandy talk about when they first met that he was living in New York she was living in LA and they were still like we're gonna make this work like this is gonna happen they got married in 2009 and they were married until 2015 and she said that like the first three years of their marriage were pretty successful pretty good but also right when they got married or like right before they got married Mandy Moore found out that her mother was cheating on her father with another woman so there was this whole like familial drama where like they had a really close family and they were on family vacation and Mandy goes on a computer finds like a note that her mom wrote that like she was planning to give to them to like essentially break the ice on what was going on. And so Mandy Moore has this knowledge in her head that like her mom is like gonna leave her dad for a woman and that they've been having this like secret affair for a while and she tells her brother they try and figure out what to do about it and he's like I think dad knows let's not ruin this vacation let's let us have this vacation but also at this time like she'd just been in a movie with Robin Williams she'd been in a movie with Diane Keaton like her career was sort of like about to explode and at the same time her family life is about to explode and then she's also about to meet Ryan Adams or maybe had just met him like I'm not like the facts there about when they first met are kind of hazy for me but yeah so then <laughs> she has this whole thing where then she meets this like sad boy down on his luck like artist who's like not really down on his luck because his career is doing really well and they get involved and she's kind of like oh I'm gonna fix him and so that's sort of what happens is like the first year of their marriage Tangled comes out but she had just worked on that so she like play is the voice of Rapunzel and then she sort of just takes a step back and <laughs> that's when everything sort of happens. Oh, it makes my <laughs> stomach hurt. Like, I hate it. I hate it so much. So I'm also, I'm a real Mandy stan. Like, I love me some Mandy. Her voice is the true definition of angelic, I believe. And I just, like, I already think that she has, 
I think all the pop girls have an interesting like Marvel universe story. Like, you know, they all have an interesting, like I snuck into the back room of the Mickey Mouse club and I handed them my audition tape or whatever, like the whole thing. But I think Mandy's is honestly like one of the most interesting because it's like, she just had everything working against her from the very start. And if she didn't look the way she looked, like she wouldn't have had to sing candy, which she never wanted to do, you know? And like, She was just pushed into such an unfair position of like not being Britney, not being Christina, not being Jessica. Literally her career was based on not being them. Mm -hmm. And like that sucks, you know? And she really had to kind of wedge her way into the industry basically forcefully because nobody was like respecting Mandy Moore. She had to like earn it. And, you know, she fought and worked so hard. And it's just so sad that like as she was about to like really figure out like who she even was, Cause she had like found out that she could act and she was like, Oh, I'm like a good actor. Like, okay. So I'm going to keep doing it. And her movies were doing really well. And like, that became a whole thing for her. And then she met him and he was like, I want you to not <laughs> learn how to, <laughs> yeah. Like you're not going to learn how to play instruments. You will not learn how to read music. So I'm gonna, don't even try. You know what I mean? And like whatever, you know, writing you're doing or whatever, like basically consider it done. We're going to put the kibosh on your creative journey you know what I mean like he just Mm -hmm. took so much away from her that's the other thing is it's like in 2009 like the year that they got married she released that album Amanda Lee which she says is like the first album that she felt like she was actually making music for herself and what she wanted to be making and she was working with artists that she respected and it wasn't put out on a major label so it wasn't really promoted that well like she went on a couple talk shows to talk about it or whatever but she finally like was finding her footing in acting finding her footing in her music and Ryan Adams is like hey I know that your family life just imploded but my family life hasn't been imploded this whole time and so I need you to be both my wife and my mom and take care of me and like anytime you leave the house I'm going to go into a tailspin but if I leave the house to go on tour that's fine but like I need to know that you're in this house making sure that the house looks exactly the same when I come home (laughs) like what the I mean, it's the exact same thing we just saw with Mariah and with Ronnie Spector. It's insane how history repeats itself. Uh, Or rather, this bad behavior continues to exist. And he also, the because like he is nowhere near as like powerful as Tommy or Phil, but he did have like these connections in that world that it felt like Mandy was sort of gravitating towards wanting to move her music towards because people were starting to respect her. So she was like, I don't need to be this bubblegum pop person anymore. I can do what I want. And he kept sort of like dangling this idea of like collaborating together on an album in front of her. And so, I mean, in any relationship, even if it is Because, like, emotional abuse is so hard to acknowledge that it's happening, especially if you're, like, not that super emotionally stable yourself at that moment in time. So you just don't really know. You sort of just get used to it. And you're like, oh, we're in the honeymoon phase of our relationship. This is what I want to do. And, like, Mandy Moore guested on the What the Fuck podcast with Mark Maron in 2019. And this was, like, the first time she ever publicly talked about her relationship with Ryan Adams. And it was really just like heart-wrenching to listen to because it felt like in the same situation where like people knew Tommy was a bad guy people knew that Phil Spector was a bad guy it felt like Mark knew and like I don't know what his relationship is with Mandy so I don't know but it kind of felt like they were just sort of aware of each other maybe friendly but like not good friends just based off the rapport that they were having in this podcast and so that made it even more just kind of like hair standing up sort of situation of like the way he's talking it felt like people just 
just knew that Ryan was kind of fucked up. And I just had pulled some things that she said where she was saying how she was living her life for him. She goes, I had no sense of self. I was imperceptible. I was so small in my own world. And, and so she just kept saying how like it was like an inherently unhealthy relationship and how him needing her made her feel worthy. It made her feel like she had value. And just like that there was somebody that she could take care of. And because she also felt like she was undeserving of her success. And because of that, she felt like it was okay to not live for herself for once and how he needed her to give him this normal life that he never had. And it sort of felt like because she was allowed to put back together his pieces, it was helping her not really have to deal with what was going on with her own family. And it's just so depressing that this like incredibly talented woman felt like her success wasn't deserved for some reason, which I don't understand at all. Because like, I mean, (laughs) this was the craziest thing when I was on Wikipedia was like a FedEx delivery man who was friends with an A&R rep at Epic Records discovered her while she was like hanging out at like a studio in Orlando, which like, of course it was Orlando because that's where every nefarious pop thing ever (laughs) starts happening. But yeah, so it's just like wild that this girl was just discovered because she was talented by just somebody who knew someone and she's still like, oh, I was undeserving of this fame. So like I essentially deserve to take a step back to like take care of this man child that I was married to. Yeah, like I guess it kind of makes sense when you think about it. Like Mandy's music career is like the saddest thing in the world to me because like I said earlier, she never really was able to kind of figure out what she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And like when, like you said, when she started to, that like the rug basically got pulled from under her. But she's always had this weird sort of like, I almost feel like it's like a traumatic relationship with her old music. And then she was like dating Wilmer Valderrama and she was underage. And, you know, it was just such like a traumatic time, I feel, for her. And like her sexuality was becoming a thing as like a like a 16 year old because she's being compared to Britney and like, how sexy are you going to be? You know, like the whole thing. So I feel like her attachment to her own music is already just like so dark and so sad. And like, you know, she's just never really been given the opportunity to figure out like who she is. So then it's like, of course he played on that, you know, like he knew that she was insecure about that stuff and that she didn't feel like she was a real artist. And she has no personal respect for the music that she used to do. So obviously when she's dating Ryan Adams, who has like a cult following of all these cool bros or whatever, it's just such a recipe for disaster. I was trying to make this point earlier a little bit, but it's like people like Ryan Adams like need someone like that to like latch onto and feed off of and really control and maybe it's because he feel like he hasn't been in control of anything in his life that he needs to control someone else but I think people like him are quick to find people like Mandy who need someone to like tell them or like validate them or whatever it is they're quick to latch on to like those types of relationships yeah that's such a good point and I think that that's proven even more so with the fact that like Mandy Moore said that it took like half a year basically for everything to just like stop happening where she like filed divorce papers and that there was just like this back and forth conversation like this constant thing of her feeling the need to like become a fighter where she like hated confrontation and yet she like lived with this like confrontational figure who kept being like don't leave me don't do this but while that's all happening he is doing the same thing to Phoebe Bridgers at the beginning of her career and it's just like this horrifying cycle that is just shocking because there was this New York Times expert 
would say that came out around the same time that Mandy talked on Mark's podcast and it was talking about how he was not only doing this to fellow women who were on the way to success but women like fans who he'd be like oh like I can mentor you and he would do the same thing of being like look at all these connections I have and then would sort of like love bomb them over text and be like you're all I want I need you to do this 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 and this for me or else like I'm never gonna give you this like that you want and he was doing this to Phoebe where like he met Phoebe at like a party very similar to the Tommy Mariah situation where he's like oh you have so much talent like I'm gonna mold you I'm gonna work with you and then he brings her into the studio I think he he brought her on tour and he he was promising her all these things but then he's like send me nudes (laughs) like literally just like harassing her and she said in this New York Times thing where she basically was saying that within a week of them working together he was saying how like oh we should get married and like you have to come on tour with me and he like told her mom that this was like a once in a lifetime opportunity and that he was going to be looking out for her and all this stuff and whenever she'd be like try and step back he'd be like I'm going to kill myself if you're not there for me and it's just like this horribly emotionally manipulative abusive relationship while he's like trying to convince Mandy Moore not to leave him and the control of these women is like slowly leaving him and it's it's, oh, it's just so horrifying to think of how many other men are probably doing this like in music and just in other realms of celebrity them and that it takes so much more than just one voice because like I would think like Mandy Moore like people trust her she's like Amer- like a one of America's multiple sweethearts you would think that if she came forward people would be like fuck this man Mandy Mm -hmm. deserves everything but that's unfortunately not the case is it's like women are so often like not believed because it's like that man would never and so you need so many voices to just make one loud voice (laughs) it's like it's so frustrating like Ryan is such a good example of like you said earlier like you don't even have to be like on the Tommy Mottola level of Mm -hmm. success to get totally like warped in this weird world where like you are put on a pedestal people throw themselves at you you have access to young girls all the time like a fucking buffet and like you need constant validation all the time and it creates this like monster but then at the same time you are like extremely insecure extremely insecure because you need validation every single second of the day you know so like you're so deranged that you put all of that onto like a 17 year old girl and you're some grown-ass fucking man you know what I mean and you're like literally looking for a kid to like validate you all day long and they're your like play toy I mean not a romantic relationship but that's exactly what we saw with Lou Pearlman and NSYNC and Backstreet Boys what you just described yeah yeah totally 1000% the insecurity jumped out and then it was like oh and now you're rich great this pattern is just repeated in so many different ways and it's so depressing and just like horrifying and I mean the other thing that's just so frustrating is is that like Ryan Adams throughout his six year like marriage to Mandy Moore he kept being like oh your seventh album it's gonna be us collaborating together we're gonna be working together and then that never happened and yet he collaborated with her on a singular song for one of his albums it's just so frustrating imagining 
my like imagination of like them being in this relationship and her being like yeah babe like my like sixth album like I really love that sound and it's similar to like what you do and like maybe we could work together like she just wanted to do something kind of like indie and he was like yeah I do indie we'll do indie together and it just like didn't happen in the way that she wanted to and I mean so she had Amanda Lee that came out in 2009 and then she didn't have anything come out until 2020 once she's like free of him has a new husband started a new life essentially where she's acting again doing all the stuff again and I mean at least she came out properly on top unlike Mariah who Mariah sort of became a joke to a lot of people I think that in some ways people are more keen to like believe women and like trust them where like nowadays I mean women are screwing I think it has to do with the time that it came out. It came out in 2019 when we're taking this stuff a lot more seriously. Yeah, exactly. So I think that she was very lucky in that sense that all this sort of happened in this quote-unquote new world. I mean, women are still treated like shit, but at least they're believed more and there's more of an opportunity to sort of actually come out on top because, I mean, like six months after she finally left Ryan Adams, This Is Us starts filming and her career sort of goes up from there because she starts doing films again. She starts voice acting again. She starts singing again. She gets into a much healthier relationship. And so she was given the opportunity to sort of like redeem herself in her own way and how she wanted to but I think also because she wasn't really doing anything while she was with Ryan it kind of was like oh remember Mandy Moore which I think is also kind of like sinister and fucked up in a way because it's like remember Mandy Moore and it's like she's still around like she's still here we don't hear from her for a reason maybe let's go check up on Mandy Moore no it's like first of all that's such a good point that like yeah she didn't go anywhere she just was like waiting to see what the next thing is that she would be allowed to do. But so I reviewed A Walk to Remember with my friend Hannah Brown mm-hmm. and I went into it just being like, oh, this will be fun. Like A Walk to Remember, silly, fun, you know, like <laughs> MTV sponsored movie or whatever. And as I was watching it, I was like, holy shit. Like I just didn't really take into account the fact that Mandy doing that movie on a whim, just being like, I guess I could like try to do a movie, basically set her up for the rest of her life. Mm -hmm. Like had she not done that, you know, sort of cheesy teen love film, her whole life would be different. Like who knows if we would even have seen her in the last 10 years, you know what I mean? Because she, I mean, she unlocked (laughs) like acting Mandy Moore, you know, thank God. And it's like kind of sad that Mandy is one of the few proper redemptions that we've seen of like a woman being able to like come out with her story on her own terms sort of but it's after her career has restarted already so it's like she didn't have to come out with her story in order for her career to do well it was like her career like she left a abusive marriage quickly thereafter her career picks up again and then once she's back in the spotlight it's like oh hey now I can talk about my trauma which I think is really healthy and pretty incredible and then we have Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake and that's just a whole other thing of like in their relationship Britney is more successful than Justin Justin is one out of five in a boy band and then this all happens so Jenna do you want to give us a brief history of Justin and (laughs) Britney and Justin well I was gonna say I can give a brief history and then Troy if you need to fact check me or expand on anything feel free to do so (laughs) So Justin and Brittany 
started dating around 1999. I think it was confirmed more like 2000. They got really serious really quickly. So if you're not familiar, they were on the Mickey Mouse Club together when they were young teens. And so now that Britney's Britney and Justin's in NSYNC, their circles have collided again. And so they get into this relationship and it gets really serious. They were together until 2002, but they like were living together and they were engaged. I didn't even know that. Like I'm new to the whole um, Justin Britney backstory here. So <laughs> there's, there's that. And then allegedly they broke up because of an alleged affair with Britney and her choreographer, Wade. Robinson and then Justin kind of like is the first one out of the gate to like run with the narrative of I've been wronged I'm heartbroken poor me and cry me a river that's like his one of his first singles right out the gate he's working on the justified album and he essentially runs with the narrative of being the victim here and he does interviews with like Barbara Walters who's like totally being wooed by him and then suddenly Britney is the bad person in this story and she's on Diane Sawyer and Diane Sawyer is absolutely grilling her and like what did you do to Justin like how dare you like her our favorite pop star when like Britney was essentially more famous than Justin until they breakup and then you start to see his career also rising yeah i mean the Brittany and justin i think is an important one to throw in the mix just because all of those other relationships weren't put on the same sort of like like Brittany and justin was big business you know mm-hmm. like sometimes that comes into play where it's like oh like our relationship has turned into its own organism where now like there are literally businesses surrounding our relationship there are negotiations, contracts, commercials, sponsors, you know, just based on us dating. So like, that's a huge thing to factor into just how weird that would be to be, you know, a teenager and your first like real relationship. It's like Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson with Twilight. Like very that. Yeah. Like we have a multi-billion dollar industry surrounding us dating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're kids, you know, it's fucking weird. And I always say that Justin was like the first, he was like the male Taylor Swift for a while because he was so good at like narrate, like, you know, controlling his nar- his narrative and controlling his story and the, the media perception of him. Like he was so strategic and puppeteering, you know, but he just like created an image for himself of like a sad boy genius, like a musical prodigy, heartbroken, gorgeous, sad boy. So the thing that's so interesting about Justin Timberlake is, is that like he was a pageant kid because his mom is like, oh, my son's cute. And so she like puts him in like a sexy kid cowboy outfit and like (laughs) parading him around the South. (laughs) And the thing with Justin is, is it's like, it's not that he, like he is a talented man, but like JC says, I should have been the lead singer of NSYNC. But it's because Justin has that, like... The charisma. He has an artificial charm that is really good for the industry, you know? Yeah, it's it's very just, like, conservative America, like, blue-eyed, like, mama's boy sort of image that everybody sort of loves to see. And it also doesn't help that, like, when he and Britney break up, he's, like, doing the, like, press circuit with his mom for some reason, which I'm like, okay, this is a fucking weird narrative, (laughs) but you do you, dude. Um, Because he had to be the mama's boy, and he had to be the good boy, and Britney had to be the bad one. 
one. And this is the funny thing is it's like when you think about One Direction and how we've talked about like how Zayn was given this bad boy image and then when he went solo everybody's like the bad boy from One Direction and so Zayn's like oh whatever I'll just like lean into this I like smoking weed and and <laughs> but but he he just did it himself where he just was like oh like I'm just gonna talk about weed and people are gonna keep being like the bad boy whereas like <laughs> Justin Timberlake instead of being like I'll just talk about my mom he's like I'm gonna bring my mom with me I'm like it's just so weird but I think the other thing is is that the narrative surrounding Britney Spears throughout her career was always the corny yet virginal thing and it was that Britney wanted to sort of be sexy but she also was like young and like shouldn't be so her label was kind of like this is the image we want you to have because I just feel like the Britney that like she is and the Britney that like we were fed were two completely different things where I think Britney was very just like middle of the road kind of like maybe I'll sneak out from the house maybe I won't but like I'm not gonna be too bad just sort of like a straight B student of like who (laughs) she was as a person whereas the media was kind of giving us this like the good girl gone bad idea of Britney and so it was like overly sexualizing her while also sort of just dressing her in like too small clothes so it's like she's dressed like a young person but like oh she moves her arm the wrong way you'll see some cleavage (laughs) yeah And so because we were fed this, it kind of felt like Justin was like, because obviously like we don't know, it's ever been confirmed whether or not Britney actually like cheated on him. But it felt like Justin, when they broke up, was kind of like, oh, Britney was his meal ticket in a way because he was just that ex-boy band guy and like I feel like if he and Britney hadn't been together it would be very likely that his career just would have disappeared like it just would have dissipated post in sync because I don't think there would have been as much intrigue or interest in his first album because like I don't think he is that exciting but like I don't know because we don't know what the alternate timeline is where he didn't date Britney so we don't know if there's something where it's like oh it's just Justin trying and so then to come out with the album that sort of like sets the precedent for every ex boy bander every ex like a teen pop star to like have a justified album that they come out with that's like oh yeah I fuck <laughs> like <laughs> get him to come out with that and it to be half like oh I fuck and like oh maybe it was Britney I was fucking is just ugh, horrendous <laughs> It's so gross. It's so like surface level misogynistic too that it's crazy that it took people, especially older people. Like I was at least say like, at least we were kids. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at people that were like full blown adults at the time being like, literally what were you thinking? Like what was running through your head when this was going on? Like, I don't, I know that we're like woke now, but like, I really truly don't get it. I'm like, I don't, I don't understand. But no, I agree with you. I think like the way that Britney, I guess the, the, the answers that she had to give as far as like her body changing and what she was wearing and how she danced and all that stuff. And like the way that she was marketed in comparison to like the way that they were marketed and, and what they had to answer to was just so wild. Like nobody gave a fuck that in sync first of all as gross as, as it is you have to factor in that they were being marketed by Lou Pearlman mm-hmm. so they were being marketed by a man who was lusting after them in a sexual way so they looked like fucking European gay porn stars all the time I mean let's just <laughs> you know what I mean no I'm not about it it is what it is they looked like 90s European like Euro trash porn stars in like mesh tops and chokers and cow print chaps like sucking lollipops you know what I mean like that was in sync basically and nobody cared that they were like thrusting their their like crotches at the fucking teenage girls and their uh, their shows and like you know it was wild like simulating sex on stage and like Britney would wear 
uh, baseball t-shirt with it tied in a knot and it was like on the New York Times the next day, you know? So like right out of the gate, it was just such an unfair bias. And I feel like Justin knew that. Like he knew that it would be so easy for him to control the narrative and that for her it would be a never ending uphill battle and that she would never ever be in the good graces of the world the way that she, the, the way that he was like, it was so easy for him that's even that's like what makes it more annoying i think that's a good point that it was easy for him of being like to i mean to sarah's point like he maybe isn't actually that interesting it's just like he had an easy time because he's like the all-american blue-eyed boy and there was not a lot of barriers for him I think, I mean, I think that definitely plays into it. But also we found this 2017 interview with the music video director who made Cry Me A River. And I actually thought it was pretty fascinating. So I wanted to read some quotes from here. Like the music video director straight up says like the music video for Cry Me A River, where he's essentially like stalking his ex, which like is supposed to be Britney, Britney lookalike, like in her house. And it's, it's very creepy. Like the director of this video says, one of the things I really liked is it doesn't paint Justin in the best light, you know? And he's like, this is after, like, this is him, his first solo thing, trying to break away from NSYNC, trying to, like, stand out. And, like, the fact that this music video was actually kind of, like, disturbing, but, like, it was such a hit, I think says a lot also to the fact that it was relatively easy for Justin. Yeah, the misinterpretation of that, too, is crazy, because I don't think many people, even though, like you said, it is so clear that in the video he's stalking her, he's, like, lurking in the bushes in front of her house and watching her through the windows and shit, and people were like, he's heartbroken. But then when when every time came out, they were like, well, she's still a crazy whore. And that yep. sucks. You know what I mean? This like apology for how much I've hurt you and like an, ad an admission of whatever fault I have. And like, I just felt at a point in my life that I needed you to survive was totally misinterpreted. And then his like peeping Tom story, people were like, <laughs> it's just like so like, I don't get it. I can't wrap my head around it. Like I, I don't understand the logistics. You know what I mean? It's just like so crazy that Britney could release like this gorgeous song, like an absolutely beautiful song about what happened. And just people be just like rip her apart. Just they, they just like ripped her apart whenever they possibly could. And then they're mm -hmm. like, why is she having a breakdown? Like, why right. is she dating her trailer trash backup dancer? And it's like, I don't know. Why? Why? Why not? Like, like, why not? Mirror. <laughs> <laughs> like, why not at a certain point be like, you know what? Fuck it. If you guys are going to like make fun of the way that I look and make fun of my family and make and like judge everything about me, then yeah, I'm going to stop at a fucking BP with no shoes on. Yeah, I don't give like, a I'm going to be as Louisiana as I fucking want to and yeah. you're just going to deal with it. Right, like, I can't win anyway. So it's like, I'm gonna go to BP with no shoes. And like, I'm hooking up with this fucking hot backup dance from, from Fresno. <laughs> and I'm like, kind of loving it. So, you know what I mean? It's like, it makes complete sense looking back. It's just heartbreaking that Justin Timberlake got away with this for so long. And that so many people were just like celebrating his career and like allowing him to make this like mediocre music and just celebrate it when everything he's doing is on the back of Britney and like literally on the back of Britney. Because there have been situations, Calvin Harris and Taylor Swift were like, Calvin Harris was like moderately successful. He dates Taylor Swift. He starts getting bigger artists featured on his music. He sort of like used her as like a climbing point, but I don't think he got into the relationship for that. Whereas Britney had a crush on Justin the whole time. 
like since they were children it kind of feels like justin yes i'm sure he loved her but i think also he just saw it as like uh okay like my whole life has been my mom using me to get money and success and then lou perlman using me to get money and success Ooh. so now maybe i'm gonna use britney for money and success Ooh. like even though like yeah like <laughs> i'm sure he actually liked her but you know like i'm sure that there were ulterior motives there and then instead of doing what calvin harris did which was kind of like step on taylor's back and hop off it Justin was like, oh no, I'm gonna keep jumping down on Britney's back until <laughs> Britney is no longer and I am in control. And now I have an anti-vax wife that I cheat on in public and nobody cares. And it's like Justin Timberlake's never done anything right. Like genuinely, like everything he's done career-wise has been quote unquote right, but that's like viewing his career as like a businessman. But it's like everything right. he's done in his career has also involved real people with thoughts and feelings, <laughs> like emotions, and he's He's just sort of like left them in his wake to like be in bad movies and like do dumb shit and i'm like dude sorry i have pent so much pent up anger about just I, i'm floating off the ground right now i feel like this is like my wedding day i'm not even kidding this is the happiest day of my life i'm not kidding <laughs> <laughs> like keep going <laughs> well i i would love to talk about the 2004 janet jackson super bowl event <laughs> also known as nipplegate <laughs> <laughs> I so it's really funny like this whole conversation is relatively new in my like realization of Justin Timberlake being a bad man because I was just like he was just like a pop star figure I was never I was too I was too young honestly I was like five when in 2000 when like Britney and Justin were dating so I didn't like you know wasn't aware yeah exactly and so the Super Bowl performance I just think it's really funny that Justin literally rips open like Janet Jackson's corset or whatever you want to call it exposing her breast and then like Justin immediately like removes himself from the situation in the media and it's all everything just comes falling down on Janet Jackson like I was reading this on Wikipedia like the Super Bowl and the MTV was like part of the Super Bowl halftime performance they got rid of MTV and then they like bans Janet Jackson from ever being played on air again I just feel like Justin Timberlake did like the Taylor Swift notes thing of like I did not ask to be part of this narrative and I would like to be excluded from it (laughs) even though he literally perpetrated the action like he physically is the one who even even like whether or not this was planned ahead of time he like physically is the one who like exposed her breast and then like he doesn't get any downfall out of this where MTV literally blacklisted Janet Jackson singles and music videos from radio and music channels worldwide. And she wasn't she wasn't allowed to go to the Grammys that year or anything. But the thing is, is that I'm like, from my perspective at least, it looked like the plan was was for him to rip it off and reveal her bra because of the lyric of the song, and that right. something malfunctioned or he just like ripped too hard. I don't know. It's hard to believe that Justin Timberlake could rip too hard, but it's just insane that like my mindset would have been like, okay, these teams clearly had to collaborate together to make this happen like why can't these teams collaborate together to do a joint like press briefing of them together being like this was what our plan was it worked out wrong like I'm so sorry that this happened they could have tag teamed it dealt with it together come out strong together because like if I was like their fixer or whatever I'd be like okay this is our plan you're gonna tackle this together then we're gonna release a like single together so that you guys are stuck together to deal with this shit Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like have to go on like a redemption tour together and it's just oh I don't know and it's just frustrating because I feel like at every aspect of Justin's career he's like fucked up some woman
woman's life in some way and nobody's acknowledged it. Well, it's like in ways that are like, mind-blowing. MTV is a network that Janet Jackson basically built. Mm -hmm. Like Janet Jackson herself was like, like as far as the level of pop culture that she was putting out, she's just like the Black Madonna. Mm -hmm. Like she was like the person that people looked to for like innovative, like what are we doing next? Like what are music videos going to look like? What is music going to sound like? Janet was like on another level. And for him to have like erased her legacy in that way is so psychotic to me that's janet jackson you know what i mean like it's just like again that's the thing that my mind can't i can't like comprehend people's thought process at the time of being like oh well she's i mean she was like truly the first person to really get canceled like what it really means to be canceled you know like we're just gonna erase your entire music career for some shit that we don't even really know like who like and like that was the other thing is like the world was so unclear and like what really happened Mm -hmm. So to immediately just blame her without anybody even having a full grasp of like what went on. And yeah, they were supposed to rip off the like the patent leather part of that corset. And then there was like a red fabric underneath and he ripped off all of the fabric. And like she's standing there with her whole tit out on the Super Bowl. And then she got burned like a Salem witch the next day. And he was like. (laughs) Yep. Like, like, I don't understand. The thing is, it's like, like, when you think about it, if you like don't take everything that Justin's ever done into account, it's shocking. But at the same time, I mean, after the Justin Britney breakup, like he was going on the radio being asked if like he took Britney Spears' virginity and he's like, yeah, I smacked that. And it's like, <laughs> Justin, like that's number one, that's disgusting. Number two, you could only have gotten away with that in that specific exact year. Fuck off. And it's just like, I don't know, it's just so annoying because like, I feel like it's so important for people to like look back on Britney's career as like the success that it was because I feel like so many people just still have this idea of Britney of her being like essentially captive in her own home like she can't really do anything she can't really see her kids she can't put out like she doesn't want to put out music anymore or do her stuff because she has no control over it and at that point in her career she was like finding her footing she was starting to write her own songs she was starting to really become like an artist essentially following in Mariah Carey's footsteps like of just like creating her own sounds with her voice creating her own music and all that sort of stuff and then the the world is just like but she cheated on Justin Timberlake and it's like why do we love Justin Timberlake all of a sudden when like Britney Spears was like the face of Got Milk and Skechers and like every possible thing that any girl ever wanted for like four years like probably more than that and then all of a sudden oh no she hurt Justin Timberlake and now everybody hates her and then her career sort of goes into this like completely other dimension of like her just being like overtly sexual like over the top with all of that because it felt like okay well if this is what the world wants then this is what the world gets and then you have like the I'm a slave for you video and all these things coming out and it's just like it's so upsetting that it kind of felt like before that she was trying to grab some control of her career and then she was like you know like okay if this is what the label wants and this is what the world wants I'm just gonna go along with it and it just like looking back it just feels like a trapped woman being forced to like be sexy because Justin Timberlake's made you out to be a harlot so now you're a harlot sweetie I always say that I think especially now with like post the documentary Mm -hmm. I think because Britney Spears was introduced to the world as somebody that people weren't necessarily supposed to respect Mm -hmm. like it's taken a lot of people this whole time to realize a like the like the actual 
magnitude of how big her career was that she was like in hindsight on the level of like a Madonna, Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey. Like she was like up there. She wasn't like a, as much as they've been compared, like she wasn't like a Christina or a Jessica, not at the end, like at the end Mm -hmm. of the at Britney's peak, she was a Michael. You know what I mean? She was like a legacy artist, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So it's like, I think it's taken people a long time to realize like how how famous she actually was and what we, I mean, obviously it's like what she's gone through is insane. I, and I'm not trying to compare the two, but like what as a, a society we missed out on culture-wise because that was taken from the world. Like we'll never know. Like I always say, when Britney released In The Zone, which a lot mm-hmm. of people say is like, you know, her best album or whatever. And it's like her most like artistic, you know, free working with like Moby and like being artsy fartsy as she would put it. She like, you know, and then she got pregnant and like she wanted to release like her version of like a ray of light, like Madonna's ray of light, like a pregnant woman who is now married and like she has all these thoughts and feelings about being an adult and being a a mom and like all this stuff and like that was taken from her and from the world you know like because of him (laughs) like like he took a two legacy artists careers away from them that's crazy it is crazy and it is also crazy that it's taken until 2021 for him to publicly acknowledge that Well, through a fucking notes app, like, let's, like, if you remove Janet from it, you're apologizing to a person that you've known since you were, like, fucking seven years old, basically. You've known this person your entire life. You guys have a history together that is so insane. You literally created a chapter in pop culture together. Like, you created a chapter together. And you're apologizing in five sentences in a notes app? Like, don't bother please like just fuck off yeah i think so the framing britney dot came out and then i mean it was just what days after i don't even know if it was a full week after he comes out with the apology and it's yeah, i think it was like two days yeah it was quick and i mean it's very like okay clearly a pr person wrote this like because it's right. like, it hits all the points it needs to hit but i think because it was so soon so immediate after the doc people were still so outraged that by the time he put it out it was just like how dare you like how dare you do this what feels like a half-ass apology when we're still like essentially grieving britney's career Mm -hmm. i just think the immediate the immediacy of it even though it was 20 years after the fact but because the documentary was so fresh in everyone's minds it was just like it felt wrong like his apology felt just fake it was just him again being like oh oh no gotta my foot's still on britney's neck (laughs) gotta (laughs) twist it a little bit more yeah and it's like it's like if he cared if he gave a shit at all it's like okay schedule an interview have a conversation about it but like the fact that he not only like did a half-ass notes apology but also like lumped in britney and janet in the same day where it's like oh like oh babe it's okay i'm just gonna like it's like i'm just imagining like jessica beale coming in and he's like on his laptop like typing with two fingers and she's like babe are you coming to bed it's 9 p.m and he's like hold on um i just watched the framing britney doc um I think I fucked up Janet Jackson's career too, so I'm gonna put that in here as well. Like I gotta say something before bed. Um, like I've never privilege. heard this before, but apparently like Janet Jackson. <laughs> um, He's like, okay, oh, hold on, just like one more sentence. Um, my publicist sent me a 
check off list of things I need to mention. Okay, right. that's all in there and sent. And- he copies, it's like copy white male privilege from his, his like uh, PR's email paste into the apology. Quote, white male privilege. Uh... Yeah, no, <laughs> babe, babe, what's, what's, what's white male privilege? Do you know what that is? And she's like, our son's not vaccinated. And he's like, oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah everybody hates us oh yeah and it's like you couldn't just like can you imagine how different that whole thing would have gone for him if he had just even hopped on like instagram live like hop on a live and be like you know what i'm laying in bed watching this fucking documentary and obviously i have to address this and i'm just going to be honest with you guys about how i feel about it even that would have been i would have been so open to just hearing the thoughts of an adult man who now has a child that has gone through all of these experiences. Like, yeah, you, you were really young when this all happened. So it would be interesting to hear what you think of what you did. Like, be a fucking adult about it. Yeah. Literally, like, hop on your Instagram. Like, this is 2021. This is not, like, 1999. You don't have to call into TRL five days after something happens to make a point. You know what I mean? Like, get on the internet and just say what you thought. But it's like, you're releasing a fucking notes app yeah. apology? Yeah. Like, are you kidding? The bare minimum. Yeah. But also, like, a part of me really just wants him on, like, 60 Minutes and, like, Diane Sawyer or somebody else to just, like, absolutely grill him. Like, I don't know if she Oprah. would, but, like, I want him to be absolutely grilled on television. Oprah should be yeah. like, were you silent or were you <laughs> silenced? <laughs> <laughs> I just want this meme from Oprah for, for Justin. I want the I can't meme. Yeah, just like, nope. Nope, nothing yeah. you're saying is okay, you dumb white man. <laughs> like, uh, it's just, it's just, yeah. I mean, like that would have been such a good move for him to just like raw be like, I watched this. This is how I'm feeling. Like, it's no excuse. But like, I was just like a dumb teen, blinded by fame, whatever. Like, there's so many things that he could say as, as you said, like a grown ass man with a child and a wife. Like, yeah. And, like, this is the annoying thing. It's, like, yes, like, being married to somebody shouldn't change your view on women. Like, you should just have, like, view women as people regardless. But, like, marriage, especially marriage with a child, does change somebody and, like, does sort of force you to view the world in a different way. And it's just so crazy. Like, this whole, the whole thing is just crazy because, like, when you do think about it, like, as we said in so many different ways, it's, like, Justin's career was created in such a way that it's like everything that he did was like felt like it was pre-planned it feels like looking back on it like he had like a filing cabinet of like how to deal with every scenario possible and like mm-hmm. a get like a getaway plan and all these things in place because I feel like that's what pageant life prepares you for is to always mm-hmm. be overly prepared for everything and like how to control x y and z so that you always come out on top and you always remain like famous and unscathed or whatever and I mean honestly it's like it's a breath of fresh air that people have been talking about that Justin Timberlake's a garbage man and like I feel like this conversation's been happening for a while now and now finally more people are talking about it but I just remember just like growing up I just always had this like disdain towards him and I wasn't really sure why (laughs) and then like as I got more into like pop culture and journalism and stuff and just like going back and looking at things it's like this dude was like it was messed up like yes he constantly had bad role models in his life but that doesn't mean that he should have like followed like it's not like they didn't know that Lou Perlman was a bad man like they knew Lou Perlman was a bad man so it's like why are you doing similar shit to what Lou Perlman was 
was doing in your own personal life, in your own like narrative, when you like know he was a bad man and that you had to get out of that relationship. Like, why are you doing similar things to him? That's something that I always say is so wild is like, he sort of relied on the fact that he knew Brittany was a good person. Mm -hmm. He knew that Brittany wouldn't necessarily out him for like his house of cards that he had built. Mm -hmm. And Brittany like knew where all the bodies were buried. They all knew where all of each other's bodies were buried. You know, they were all around for each other's, you know, initial negotiations and contracts being written up and you're going to be a virgin and we're going to, you know, like all of that stuff. And she was there during all of the Lou Pearlman stuff. She saw all of it Mm -hmm. so Brittany knows a lot of really weird shit about his life you know what I mean and like she very easily could have she could have changed the narrative about what people think of him if she wanted to and he just sort of banked on the you know the fact that he knew she wouldn't you know he just knew she wouldn't do that and like that's also so shitty unfortunately there's so many garbage men in the world of showbiz and we're just here Troy is here to out (laughs) them all And I love every second of it because they're all like, huh, it's just so frustrating. Because I mean, like, if we like ventured outside of the world of music, like the amount of men that we could drag into this conversation is unfortunately endless, and it's just so upsetting and frustrating. <laughs> yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know, Jenna. Do you have any conclusion thoughts? I mean, I just hope that like now that we're like finally having these conversations a bit more publicly, that things will start to change. However, I think it'll be a very slow change. Justin Timberlake Oprah interview 2021. Oh, God, yes. Put it out start there. The, start the petition online. Seriously. All right, so we are back with Band of the Week in 30 seconds or less. We're doing something a little different. Today, Troy is going to talk about Britney Spears as if she's debuting and we're in 1999. So get in that mindset. Get ready. Troy, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, I'm going to count you down in three, two, one. Okay, so this new artist, her name is Britney Spears. She is a response to, I don't know if you guys are a fan of Robin, but she is a response to the Robin pop craze that has taken over Europe. She is America's version of Robin, which people don't ever talk about. And uh, she's iconic. She's going to literally change the face of pop music forever. And her discography is super weird. So there's something for everybody. That hasn't happened yet, but it has happened. Just go with it. That's, that's it. <laughs> That's 30 seconds. Oh my god, can't wait to check her out. (laughs) (laughs) She's amazing. Well, Troy, thank you so much for joining us today. Of course, people can go learn more about all of these characters on your podcast, Dunzo. And are there any social links um, people can follow up with you otherwise? Um, Yeah, I mean, I mostly use Instagram for the podcast. So it's um, uh, Dunzo Pod or it's Dunzo Podcast, you'll find it. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, you can follow me on everything at Troy McEady. It's T-R-O-Y-M-C-E-A-D-Y. And uh, yeah, and there's a Patreon for the podcast too, if you're interested in that type of thing. It's patreon.com slash solid listen. And it's like a four-year archive of me having manic thoughts into a Blue Yeti microphone. Awesome, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. This was so much fun, seriously. So I knew Troy knew everything before we started recording, but... (laughs) He really does know everything. I'm just so impressed. And it's so nice to talk to other people who pay attention to pop culture essentially for a living that also hate the same people that we hate. (laughs)
I mean, well put. It's been very exciting watching Jenna sort of become aware of all of this stuff because from what you guys have learned, my background is pop culture nonsense. And so it's it's really incredible watching your friends become aware of like how just exactly how trash these men are. When yeah. like I feel like you already sort of knew, but now you like Yeah, no, it's funny, especially because like Sarah, like as a, a few months ago mentioned Justin Timberlake being trash, and I'm like, okay. But now that we're into it, I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. Um, and so maybe you're like me, you're listening along and you're you're in the same position as I am, realizing along with me how trash these men are. Yeah, and so we've already said it a thousand times, but Troy over on his podcast, Dunzo, has talked at length about Britney. He's talked about Mariah. He's also talked about Mandy Moore. So he's talked about all of the three main women that we discussed today. So if you want to learn more about them, especially Britney, go check out his podcast. You can learn everything you've ever wanted to learn. And he also covers just like normal celebs so it's not just music so there's lots of pop culture knowledge to be learned and had from him so if you enjoyed today's podcast and you'd like to chat with us more about it you can come join us on our patreon come hang out at our discord um you can do that at patreon.com slash name three songs or you can tweet at us slide in our dms on insta come watch us make ridiculous tiktoks all at name three songs or if you want to fight us what have you you can do that personally i'm at sarah underscore fagan and jenna is at jenna underscore million so thank you so much for joining us on name three songs until next time never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band and remember you're never too cool to listen to grammy winner harry styles don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review they really help if you want to find out more about any of the sources we reference in this episode you can visit namethreesongs.com everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.